Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. God is, is showing them in advance the things that are going to occur. In fact, if you look at the book of Deuteronomy, there is a lot of prophecy in the book of Deuteronomy. As we go through it, and like last week and even tonight, we're going to be looking through, and we're going to see how God was just preparing them and warning them and showing them all the things that God had already told them. Remember, Deuteronomy is the second telling. It's the second telling of those things that were in Exodus that were in Leviticus and Numbers. Those things are being kind of condensed into one book, and he's retelling the the, the history for them again. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins chapter 18 of the book of Deuteronomy and reminds us that this book is not only a retelling of the book of Leviticus and Numbers, but it's full of prophetic messages from God to the nation of Israel as they enter the promised land. God doesn't repeat himself because he's unsure, but because he knows the response of his people to these rules in the future. Even though we stray from God's direction, His love and mercy is steadfast and sure in spite of our wandering hearts. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. This evening, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, and if you remember, last week we looked at Deuteronomy 17, and we began in verse 14, and we went down to the end of the chapter, and we found that in those chapters, in, in chapter 17, in those verses that we saw God preparing Israel. Again, I hate to be a broken record, but here they are at the cusp of going into the promised land, this new generation. The old generation has passed away. They've been wandering around for 40 years. Now that old generation who died in unbelief in the desert, as God said that they would, and he waited till every last one of them, except for a couple of them, Joshua and Caleb, and their little ones, and all the, uh, the peoples, their, their kids and their grandkids, now they are at the edge of the Jordan River, about ready to go over and face Jericho, the very first city that they're going to encounter and battle against. And we're going to get into all of that in, in the next book we get into in Joshua. But God is, is showing them in advance the things that are going to occur. In fact, if you look at the book of Deuteronomy, there is a lot of prophecy in the book of Deuteronomy. As we go through it, and like last week and even tonight, we're going to be looking through, and we're going to see how God was just preparing them and warning them and showing them all the things that God had already told them. Remember, Deuteronomy is the second telling. It's the second telling of those things that were in Exodus, that were in Leviticus and Numbers. Those things are being kind of condensed into one book, and he's retelling the the, the history for them again for the intent purpose that they wouldn't continue like their forefathers 
walking in unbelief and stubbornness and rebellion and disobedience, but that they would learn and that they would go in and inherit this great blessing that God had given to them. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, he dispossessed hundreds of thousands of people. God did. He's going to use the Israelites to dispossess that land they were living in. They were going to be dispossessed. They were going to be kicked out. And not only kicked out, but they were going to be destroyed because of their rebellion, because of their idolatry for several hundreds of years when they had time to turn, but instead they became more entrenched in their sin. And so we see the last week we looked at the, the prophecies concerning Saul and certainly concerning Solomon, you know, Israel's first king, and then Solomon, one of the wealthiest, most wise men that the world has ever seen, and yet, as time goes on, his wealth, he, he, it, gets, it, gets to, it gets to him, and then he has several hundreds of wives, and they start to take his heart away from the Lord, and now he's building temples or, and altars to foreign gods of the land. He doesn't end well. He started off really well, but he didn't end well. And there's a warning in all that for us. And tonight, let's look at, we're going to look at the first eight verses, and then we're, gonna, we're just going to read through them, and then we're going to go back and pick them apart. So it says, the priests, the Levites, all the tribe of Levi, shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his portion. Therefore, they shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he said to them. And this shall be the priest's due from the people, from those who offer a sacrifice, whether it's a bull or a sheep. They shall give to the priest the shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach, the first fruits of your grain and your new wine and your oil and the first of the fleece of your sheep, you shall give them, give him. For the Lord your God has chosen him out of all of your tribes to stand to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. So if a Levite comes from any of your gates, from where he dwells among all Israel and comes with all the desire of his mind to the place which the Lord chooses, then he may serve in the name of the Lord his God as all his brethren the Levites do who stand there before the Lord. And they shall have equal portions to eat besides what comes from the sale of his inheritance. And so let's go right back to verse 1 again. So we see the Levites. God had chosen them out of all the tribes, out of all the 12 tribes of Israel. He chose one group. And you know, there's something that's really unfair about that, and there's something that's very un-American about that, because in our culture, we like everything to be fair. We like things being fair. If you have two kids, if you have two boys and they're twins, and on Christmas morning you give one a $20 bill and you give the other one a $5 bill, or if grandma gets them a $20 bill and gives the other one a $5 bill, there's going to be war in the house because it's just not fair, right? And we get all uptight about being fair, but I've got to be honest with you. You look through the Bible and God is not fair, and that may shock you. He's not. He's not fair. He's just, and there's a difference. Because God can look at a man or a woman and he can say, I've chosen this one to do this certain thing. And everyone around them is going, well, what about me? I'm more qualified. I'm better, I'm more, I'm better looking. I've got the, the certificate on the wall. I've, I've been trained in this. And, and they, don't, they don't know anything. And you're going to allow them to do this, this great thing, Lord? And he says, yep, I'm going to do it. Yep, yep, sorry. You got the degree and everything. And I know you're really beautiful and you got those nice gold teeth in the front. 
you know, but I, I can't use you. I'm going to use someone else. And we don't like that. God is not fair. And that's not a quality that is uh, to his detriment. God is perfect in all he does. He has a right to choose Jacob over Esau. He has the right to choose Isaac over Ishmael. He has the right to do those things. After all, aren't we created by him? Does he who is formed have right to say to the potter, what are you doing? We don't have the right to do that. It's better for us to just be humble and say, Lord, whatever you've called me to do, help me to do it with all my heart and with a right heart and not get uptight about what I see around me. And because we live in a culture of superheroes, and I mean that in every, every sense of the word, people who have more money, people who have more fame, more prestige, more honor, we look up to them and we're like, we get jealous and we're like, why can't I be that? Why haven't you chosen me to do that, Lord? God is wise in all that he does. And I'm convinced that if I'm trying to get something for myself that he has not ordained for my life, that thing is going to destroy me. It's going to make me miserable, and it's going to make me dis... I won't even enjoy my walk with Christ because I'm a tooth out of joint. I'm wearing the wrong size tennis shoe. My socks are just a little too tight when I'm trying to do something else that God hasn't ordained for my life. But when I find that place that he has put for me, then I can settle and I can enjoy it, and it's a blessing, and it's not a problem. And he wants to do that in your life. See, we don't have to fear about what God's going to do in your life. You know, If you don't have the heart to go over to in, uh, in the, the Amazon jungle and, and minister to a tribe that will more than likely shoot you through with an arrow, if your heart is not to go, then you're probably not called to go. But if you're a Jim Elliot and your heart is to go because you have a burning desire in your heart to tell those people God does that thing in his heart, and then now all of a sudden you are engaged in it. And see, to me, that's a beautiful thing about finding the will of God for your life because when you do, you don't have to worry. You can really enjoy what he's created you to do. It's almost like everything fits. And in, in your heart, there's a peace. There's a joy. You even enjoy what you're doing. And that's the way it works. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be without challenges. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be roadblocks along the way, challenges, spiritual attack, all those things happen. That's just par for the course. But I think you know what I mean. There's a joy and there's a, a, an understanding that God has called me to this. And enjoy that, folks. Enjoy that. And learn to not be looking, not be that sheep looking over in the other pasture going, boy, I wish I could do that. I wish I was doing that. And the Lord's going, well, what, what, have, what have I done in your life? What am I doing in your life right now? Well, Lord, I'm just, I'm just a prayer warrior. I just pray for people. Well, maybe you're not really called to do that as much if you hate it that much. <laughs> maybe you should do something else, you know. But there are people who love to pray. I'd invite you to come on Tuesday nights. We have a prayer meeting in here every Tuesday night. And honestly, it wouldn't matter if it was a Saturday night, a Wednesday night, a Friday night. There's always going to be something that's going to keep you from joining your brothers and sisters and pray. Will you come out for a half hour? Come out for an hour. Come out for 15 minutes on your way home from the store. Whatever it is, just come and pray. Be encouraged. So the priest... The Levites, the, all the tribe of Levi, shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel, and they shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his portion. Notice that not all the Levites were to be priests. But if you're a priest, you better be a Levite, because you, you can't be a, a priest if you're not a Levite. 
but not all the Levites were priests. They each had their their place. And that's what I love about our body here is that every one of us is, is doing something. You know, Scott is doing the, the sound and, and, and keeping track of those things. We have worship leaders. We, you know, we have, we have uh, Sarah and Sarah Toka and Sarah Casella, and we have um, our sister here, you know. And we're just so blessed that, you know, Aubrey and others, you know, Chris Canfield, so many. And, and we all have our place. We all have our thing that we do. We have ushers, we have elders, we have prayer warriors, we have people who come in and clean and the body fitly joined together, doing what it should be doing. And I tell you, there's something really beautiful about that because it's not true for everybody around here and in every church. And that's what I love about you guys because, you know, your heart is that way. We know each other. Many of you have been here for over two decades and we serve the Lord together. But he says that these Levites, they won't have any inheritance within Israel. And we'll see that when we get into the book of Joshua. When they came in, they each had a, a portion of the land of Israel, but the Levites didn't have a portion. In fact, what would happen is each of those tribes would have cities where the Levites would be able to come and dwell with them, and they would give them uh, places to live, and they would also have plenty of land around where they're living so that they could raise the livestock, because you need livestock to have steak, Right? to have uh, uh, those sacrifices on the grill, that big grill at the altar, okay? That big Weber grill, that altar. <laughs> so, so God has a plan, and he had it with the, the children of Levi. And they all had their different parts, you know. Levi had three sons, Gershon and Kohath and Merari, and each of these uh, three groups of Levites, they all had very specific things to do in the tabernacle. And so we know that Moses and Aaron and the priests, Nadab and Abihu and Eleazar and Ithamar, they all came from that tribe of Kohath. And we know what their role was. They were the, high, they were the priests in the temple. But these other uh, groups, the, the sons of Merari and the sons of Gershon, they all had different things that they had to do. And we're not going to go there tonight, but read Numbers chapter 4, and you'll get a very good idea of the different things that they were called to do. And they all did it together. Everything was in order. God is a God of order. Even the things that we do here in this this fellowship, there's an order to it. Because God is a God of order. He knows what he's doing. Whenever there is chaos, I can tell you that God is not at the center of that plan. But when God is working, there is order. There is order. Verse 2, he says, Therefore they shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord, notice, is their inheritance, as he said to them. You know, isn't it wonderful to think that the Lord is your inheritance? I wonder how many of them were thinking, Oh, man, are you, are you kidding me? You mean we don't have any place to live, but Lord, you're our inheritance? You know, show me the money. I don't think that they felt that way. In fact, I, I think it's very possible that the other tribes looked up to them and said, you know what, these people are going to be closer to God than we are, and they're going to be serving at the very core. They're like God's center, you know, his, um, those who are closest to him. And they had a responsibility and uh, a great accountability as a result of that. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, this was, uh, I'm just going to read a couple verses to you because this, what I'm about to read to you occurred right after they had made that God had given a second pair of tablets to Moses. Remember the first tablets he broke, the second pair of tablets 
He had to make an ark for the Ark of the Covenant. Immediately after that, it says, at, the, at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless his name to this day. Therefore, Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his his inheritance, just as the Lord your God promised. And you know, I think about what grace that is. Think about what happened with the tribe of Levi. You know, in Exodus chapter 20, we read of the Ten Commandments. And what were the first three commandments? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, and that is, or that is in the water or under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations, notice, of those who hate me. Now fast forward eight chapters. God sees this line of Kohath from the Levites. And he says in Exodus 28, he says, Now take Aaron, your brother. He says this to Moses. Take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priest. Aaron and his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And then just four chapters away from this. I'm not sure the time frame here, but just a short time after they've been inaugurated as this high priest, this priesthood, what happens? Exodus 32 happens. And what happens in Exodus 32? Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days, 40 nights. They had just gotten out of Egypt not too long ago, and they're looking around thinking, man, he's probably been devoured by a mountain lion. I think it's time to uh, have a party. And so Aaron says, take off your rings. Take off everything. Gold, take all the things, all the, all the, all the, <laughs> take out the tackle box from your head and then we're going to put it in a fire and he's going to fashion this calf, right? And then you remember what happens after Moses gets those tablets. He comes down, sees what's happening. He breaks those tablets for what has happened. You notice the grace of God? Let no one say that God is not a God of grace because if he wasn't, if he wasn't a God of grace, he would have killed Aaron on the spot. He knew in advance that this was wrong to do because God gave him the Ten Commandments prior to that. He anointed him, and then they fall into this gross idolatry. And think of the grace and the love of God. And see, that's just the way he is. God is a God of grace with you. He's not looking to squash you. He's not looking to hurt you. He's not looking to take out his wrath upon you. If, if he takes out his wrath upon you, then what happened on the cross was of no effect. You may be chastened as a son or a daughter of the king. That happens, but it's with the idea of learning something. I need to learn a lesson because if I don't learn, I don't learn except by pain usually. Are you any different than me? I learn really well by pain and usually only by pain. You can tell me all you want, but I think I'm going to do it better. And then when I suffer the consequence, I'm like, I should have listened, but I didn't. And isn't that what growing up is all about, <laughs> as growing up as a kid? But notice, God is a God of grace. And all throughout the Old Testament, there is justice shown, but also a tremendous amount of grace. And I want you to encourage you tonight to look for it, because there's an example. And there are many other examples. Somebody comes up to you and says, well, the God of the Old Testament is just angry and mean. You can say, no, he's not. Take him to uh, Exodus 20 where the law was given. Take them to Exodus 28, where 
Aaron was made the high priest, him and his sons forever throughout their generations. And then finally take him to Exodus 32. And Aaron lives for at least 40 more years until he dies and they bury him on Mount Hor. God's grace. God's grace. Let's go back to verse 3 in Deuteronomy 18. It says, And this shall be the priest's due from the people, from those who offer a sacrifice, whether it's a bull or a sheep. They shall give to the priest the shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach, the first fruits of your grain and your new wine and your oil, and the first of the fleece of your sheep you shall give him. And so these are things that because of their vocation, because of what God called them to do, God's going to take care of them. What God calls you to do, he's going to pay for. So whenever you are stepping out and doing something, if God has called you to do it, the, the, the resources are going to be there. Are you going to wait at times till the 11th hour? Probably. <laughs> are you going to struggle sometimes? Probably. But what is that doing? It's, it's causing you to be dependent upon the one who did call you, and it's causing you to rest in his work and not trying to make it happen. Because if the resources aren't there, what do we do as Americans? Pull out the American Express. It's our God. <laughs> if I can't get it by waiting patiently. You told me, Lord, that you're going to give me this thing and I'm supposed to do this thing. Well, if I don't get it by noon tomorrow, it's going on, it's going on American Express. You don't have to do that. What God calls for, he pays for. And it may require patience on your end because that's where we grow. And everything is not easy, contrary to popular belief in this country. Teach your kids that now, that not everything is easy. We live, we live in Disneyland. I tell my daughter, you live in Disneyland. I can't wait to take her on a missions trip to somewhere over in Europe, over to Bulgaria. And I guarantee that when she gets off the plane, when we come back, she will kneel and kiss the ground of America. Because I did. <laughs> I kiss the ground and I thank God for his grace and his mercy. Verse 5. For the Lord your God has chosen him, speaking the, the, the children of Levi, has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. And you know, the Lord does. He sets those apart to, who, serve, who serve him. There's a, there's a phrase in Deuteronomy chapter 25. It says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the corn. And the idea is that when you're serving the Lord, you live by those things that you're, you're, suing, you're serving him in. And, and uh, in fact, in the New Testament, Paul gives this uh, very clearly to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Beginning in verse 9, he says, For it is written in the law of Moses, and he's, he says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the corn or out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about, or does he say it altogether for your sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, that it is written that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. And if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this uh, right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know? that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings at the altar. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And so God, what he, what he calls, he pays for. And these Levites were called a very specific thing. And so God is saying, don't worry 
about the other things. Don't worry about your food. You're going to be busy night and day from the sacrifices and all of the different ordinances. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.